0: Welcome to Impact AI, brought to you by Pixel Scientia Labs. I'm your host, Heather Couture. On this podcast, I interview innovators and entrepreneurs about building a mission-driven, machine-learning powered company. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to my newsletter to be notified about new episodes. Plus, follow the latest research in computer vision for people in planetary health. You can sign up at pixelscientiacom newsletter. Today, I'm joined by guest Nathan Fenner, president and co-founder of Afresh, to talk about eliminating food waste. Nathan, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Heather. This is really fun.
0: Nathan, could you share a bit about your background and how that led you to create Afresh?
1: Yeah, I can definitely share about my background. I'm not sure it's a really linear progression into starting Afresh, but my background is as an engineer. I studied engineering in my undergrad and in my master's program. And then I went on to become a robotics engineer working here in Silicon Valley. And contemporaneously, while I was working as an engineer, I was also a lecturer in the engineering school at Stanford. And so reasonably technical background, but tying that all to a fresh, I would just say that, and it really my focus was as a hardware engineer. So trying to tie that technical background to what we do from a software perspective at a fresh, I think the real kind of through line that connects that background. The company is really that I've always really believed in. One, working with really cool technology just as a technologist, finding that really exciting. And two, being really passionate about working at companies that did unequivocally kind of positive social impact. So not a company that's kind of contribution to society was purely adding value to like our, our GDP, but rather something that in its own rights did made positive impact for the world. And so I had a particular bent towards mitigating climate change and the company I worked at after grad school before starting Afresh was really kind of focused on ocean health, which is a big kind of barometer for climate change. That's really, I think, the through line to what we're doing at Afresh today.
0: So what does Afresh do and why is it important for sustainability?
1: Yeah. So Afresh at its kind of most simple is a supply chain software and inventory management software for the grocery industry focusing specifically on the fresh side of the business so in other words we're hyper focused on building supply chain software to optimize all the kind of the perishable supply chain in retail and the big outcome of optimizing that supply chain is that we dramatically reduce food waste and food waste is actually one of the biggest kind of macroscopic contributors to climate change. I think there's a really cool study done by an organization called, I think, Drawdown, Project Drawdown, where they looked at all the kind of macroscopic initiatives that we as a society could take. And using a variety of different methodologies, reducing food waste was either the top or one of the top three or four initiatives we could undertake as a society. So. Our work contributes to that reduction in food waste, which in turn is a really critical mitigant of climate change.
0: And what role does machine learning play in your technology?
1: Machine learning is really, really fundamental to what we do. So, at a high level, we're making the fresh food supply chain and retail more efficient. And the way we're doing that is by optimizing decisions at various nodes in the supply chain. And the way we optimize those decisions. Is powering them with machine learning, and so to be very concrete, our first product that we built at Afresh was a is a store level replenishment solution for fresh departments in grocery stores. So this is a solution. It's a it's based on an iPad application, and the person in the store in in a produce department in a grocery store uses our application to do their inventorying and ordering workflow, and our solution essentially gives them recommendations of how many tomatoes, for example, to bring in into their store each day in order to optimize their inventory levels. And that recommendation of how many, of how many tomatoes to bring into their store, that's all powered by machine learning. And so really, really good key, machine learning is really key to writing a, an optimal order that maximizes profit, but also minimizes waste.
0: So what kind of data are you working with in order to train this? It sounds like may- maybe the stock of different products in the store, or is there other data you collect along the way?
1: Yeah, I think a kind of a nice way we think about the data that feeds into our system, I think there's kind of three main sources. So there is data that comes from the retailers, kind of from their central data warehouse. So our retailers send us all their sales data, all their shipments data, their item metadata, basically their data that describes their items, their promotion calendar, their delivery schedules, basically all the sources of data that you could possibly kind of need that they house internally in order to inform the correct decision. So there's that internal bucket of data. And I'll add that for that data, we get a big historical download of all that data. So we get a huge, several years of sales history. And then we also set up an ongoing data feed where we're constantly being updated with the most current version of that data. So that's one source of data. The second source of data is external sources of data. So this would be things like holiday calendars, local events, weather, basically exogenous factors that contribute to what the perfect order would need to be in the store. So for example, if the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is coming coming up in a couple of days here, we have that, you know, that information available to us that to know that avocado sales may increase dramatically this weekend. So that's an example of a an external data source we use, we leverage. And then the third data source is data that we collect via our front end. So kind of in conjunction with our smart machine learning, we have a really intuitive workflow that our team has built. And as our end users use our tool, they're actually collecting data from the store in terms of things like inventory position in the store and the size of their displays and, and other key pieces of information that will inform kind of what that perfect order is. So then basically those three data sources come together and those all inform our machine learning models that then kind of kick out the ideal recommendation. Does that make sense?
0: It does. Do you need to annotate your data in order to make these predictions or is that taken care of by the the different data sources you have?
1: So it's not kind of a data annotation challenge, like a computer vision kind of problem from a training data perspective. Instead, I think really the challenge for us is when we initially integrate with a customer, we need to ensure that we are correctly interpreting their data and have all the kind of rules and understandings of their data to convert it from their schema into our schema. Once we accurately kind of write that those transformations and it's ingested into our system, this is not the sort of thing where you need to like annotate that this is a car in this picture. You know, the things we're training on are are basically just sales dollars and things like that. So there isn't this big kind of undefined data source. So once those rules, those kind of ETL, ETL rules are created and validated, the data is well understood by our system.
0: What sorts of challenges do you encounter in working with those three different sources of data?
1: I think this kind of comes back to the fundamental thesis of our company, which I guess I really haven't gone over, which is that we started the company basically with two critical assumptions and this is going to be a little bit meandering and I'm I'm long-winded but hopefully this will be valuable context for the question eventually when we started the company we had two kind of foundational insights about the retail grocery industry one was that we really thought that fresh was the strategic future of this industry for a variety of reasons that I won't go into on a AI centric podcast but the second insight we had is that all the technology that had been built for the grocery industry, and that was being used in supply chain and inventory management, had all been built for the non fresh side of the business. It had all been built for things that come in boxes that have barcodes. And when you look at a lot of these solutions that are out there, legacy solutions out there, a lot of them had built, been built as horizontal solutions that served other retail sub verticals like clothing, electronics, and such. And the fundamental challenge of using Those systems in the fresh departments is that those systems expect fresh or perfect data because you have non perishable goods, hard goods, things with barcodes. And that's just not true for all the items that happen and that exist in the fresh supply chain. So, for example, in fresh departments in grocery, you have things that don't have barcodes that are scanned out at the register and the person who's checking you out needs to enter a code for them. So what will often happen is if you buy an organic avocado, the person who's ringing you up might think it's a conventional avocado. And the consequence of that is that your your sales data, your kind of the, your demand signal is now incorrect. And there's a variety of other complexities here. These items go bad, they perish kind of inherently by being fresh, so they're thrown out so your understanding of your inventory position Degrades. Some of these items are cut up and produced in store. So you order pineapples into the store, but pineapples are also sold as chunks of pineapples, pineapple bowls, and things like that. So all of these factors, and there's more upstream supply chain fragmentation, as opposed to getting all your cereal boxes from General Mills or Kraft, you're getting them from 27 different small farms around the country. All these factors. Basically, lead, and this is all back to your original question of really, really, really noisy and uncertain data. And so, this is, I think, at the heart of why we exist as a company, which is that in order to succeed in this area, we needed to figure out how to deal with this challenging data. And so, I think that is really at the kind of core of what's kind of differentiated us from the legacy companies that have come before. So, I think your original question was what are the sorts of problems that we have with the data and i guess to answer it now with that extensive prolog the problems we have with data are that the data are really really noisy there's tons of issues that hide the true demand signal there's tons of issues that make it really hard to kind of have a consistent through line for a given item so a strawberry might get scanned out as 27 different items because they're not linked to a parent item. Just a variety of these things make it really, 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 really hard to run good kind of machine learning models. And I think with a traditional approach, you basically just have a classic garbage in, garbage out situation.
0: So what do you do about that then? Do you need to clean your data extensively or do you need to use alternative algorithms that are more robust to these challenges?
1: I think it's all of the above. I will say that when we talk about kind of our approach to machine learning, our approach is really paradigmatically different than a lot of the legacy, a lot, lot of the legacy players in the space. I think what you see with the existing solutions in the market is basically using data science algorithms to do forecasting to predict demand, and when they claim to leverage AI, which May or may not be true. They're talking about it in the context of improving their forecast. We leverage AI, I think in a very kind of fundamentally different way. we We definitely do forecasting, but the critical thing we're doing is really decision making under uncertainty. And so the output from our from our models, the ultimate output of our model is actually a decision as opposed to simply a forecast. And so, I think that at that is like the kind of foundational answer to your question is that we're taking a different algorithmic approach that is basically inherently acknowledging of the fact that the inputs are uncertain. And this really emanates from the kind of PhD research that my co-founder Vladimir did when he was at Stanford in the PhD program there. One of his areas of expertise is really decision making under uncertainty. So leveraging this kind of more frontier area of machine learning has allowed us to make really good decisions in a really uncertain environment. Again, that's paradigmatically different than the approaches out there, as opposed to just kind of an evolutionarily better forecasting model. Now, that's not to say we don't do lots of work on cleaning up the data, lots of work with our front end to prompt users and kind of intelligently engage humans in the loop. But I think at its at our most core from a machine learning perspective, we're just taking a entirely different approach to the end, the end output of the system. Did that make sense?
0: It does. Yep. Are there any specific technological advancements that made it possible to build your technology now when it wouldn't have been feasible a few years ago?
1: Well, I think this area of machine learning, specifically decision making under uncertainty, I think a lot of the principles have been around for a long time, but I think it's an area that's gained. That's made a lot of headway in recent years, and so maybe it's not—it's less technological advancements, and I'm probably getting a little over my skis here, but more about kind of a new frontier of knowledge and research and approach that has really started to unlock this this approach to solving the problem. You know, we're leveraging a lot of the techniques that they're trying to leverage in autonomous cars, right? Basically, which obviously similarly are taking a ton of inputs all of which have kind of a probability distribution around them and needing to make an optimal decision. Now, obviously, autonomous cars you know, are leveraging a bunch of other inputs that are really required technological advancements. But I think my assumption would be that a lot of the kind of pushing forward of this frontier of decision-making uncertainty has been critically enabling for us to be able to do this. Does that make sense? So I think it's more about a a knowledge frontier moving forward as opposed to necessarily a specific technology. It's not like the advent of GPUs was critically enabling for this or like a certain computer vision technique, but rather just the boundaries of our our knowledge as a kind of scientific community.
0: Yeah. So like the theory and the algorithms related to decision-making under uncertainty. So yeah.
1: Exactly right. Better said than me.
0: How do you measure the impact of your technology?
1: Yeah, that's pretty easy. I think what's really cool about what we do is that it's really, really measurable, particularly when we operate in pilots at our partners. So we go in and install one of our solutions, and we have a set of stores, for example, who are using our solution and a set of stores that aren't. And we get to measure really, really concrete financial impact. So we look at how much shrink are we avoiding? And shrink is the term they use in retail to measure food waste. And we also measure how we are impacting sales. And so the really, really cool thing about our technology is that by optimizing inventory levels, we actually will increase a grocer's sales and decrease their food waste, which is, I think a lot of the times in the industry, people thought that was kind of an impossible. Kind of tension that either you had to stock your shelves fuller to push sales, but if you did that, you'd increase your food waste, or you had to run much more lean at the expense of sales. And what we're seeing with our technology that really optimizes inventory is that we're able to achieve both. So after we measure that kind of impact of sales and food waste reduction, we then can plug those, the, especially the food waste reduction numbers into calculators and methodologies that enable us to kind of understand our kind of climate mitigation impact. There's an organization called REFED, which is kind of the national leader in terms of really understanding food waste. And they have a methodology of how to convert food waste into marker some of the critical, critical sustainability metrics like greenhouse gas emissions, water saved, etc. And so we convert our food waste into those sustainability metrics.
0: So one of the challenges that's common across the industry is hiring for machine learning because these professionals are are very much in demand right now. What approaches to recruiting and onboarding have been most successful for your team?
1: Yeah. And it's nice to be on a podcast where that's like a well-understood problem because I think one of the challenges we have, a challenge we have is differentiating our genuine machine learning from the marketing claims of kind of legacy companies and i think there's kind of a congruence there uh, that it's pretty much impossible to hire machine learning engineers and so it's it's really really suspect that kind of legacy these legacy companies that don't have a real i don't know a real carrot for these like highly sought after highly paid engineers would be able to credibly hire the talent they need to be able to build genuine cutting edge technology yet they claim otherwise. So anyway, to to that question, I think overwhelmingly, I think we've been able to punch above our weight in terms of our hiring. And that all comes back to being a genuinely social impact driven company. I think as everyone's aware, especially in this, the tightening of the tech economy, a lot more and more people are turning towards climate tech right now. And as a climate tech company, I think that's been a real tailwind for us. So I I realize for people listening to this, that's probably not either you you have a genuine social impact mission or you don't, and it's probably not really useful advice. But I think that's overwhelmingly the biggest tailwind for us. And I would say, in particular, the fact that our business model, we make our customers more profitable by reducing food waste. And so there's this kind of perfect alignment of incentives that allows folks on our team to kind of, I think, fully embrace our mission in a way that they don't have to be kind of skeptical of it as greenwashing. And so I think having that really genuine, really, really tight alignment of business model and social impact adds a credibility to that mission-driven nature of the company in a way that really, really resonates with this like, the most competitive job kind of, the most competitive persona to hire that's I, I realize it's not maybe the most useful <laughs> advice, but I think it's been incredibly impactful for us.
0: It's something that you make use of in recruiting and you know, make sure in your job postings that candidates are aware that you're focused on sustainability and climate change and all that. yeah, it helps the recruiting process
1: absolutely. And I think when you hire people as a result, if a person doesn't care about our mission, they're not going to go work for us. They're going to, they'll, they going We're not going to be able to compete with Facebook, with fang companies, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google. If they don't care about the mission, if they're kind of pure mercenary, they're going to go take a higher salary elsewhere. And that's fine. And what that means is that there's this kind of virtuous cycle here where the people who come to work at Afresh are really, really passionate about the mission. And the consequence of that is that when people interview... I think the authenticity of our team's belief in the mission really comes through in that in that hiring practice. And as a result, I think people really feel it. And then other kind of missionaries join the company as well. And so it's it's really virtuous in that respect.
0: Is there any advice you could offer to other leaders of AI-powered startups?
1: The, maybe the generic piece of advice I would give. I think one thing we've done well is being really business problem-oriented. I don't think we... Or kind of like, oh, we're good at AI and thus like, we have this AI hammer and everything's a nail. We didn't look for a problem to solve with AI. We looked for a genuine business problem to solve and then figured out what was the best way to solve it. And then it happened to be that AI was the best way to solve it. I'm not the first one to kind of wax poetic about this, but I do think there is a tendency to be a little bit technology oriented in the products we build as opposed to like solution product and business problem oriented. And so I think there's probably an excitement right now to figure out ways to leverage AI. And I think that's the wrong way to go about building companies that add really genuine value. I think you have to start with real business problems.
0: Finally, where do you see the impact of Afresh in three to five years?
1: I'm really, really excited about our potential as a company. I think right now... Our partners are reducing their food waste by about 25% in the departments in which we're active. And so we're currently this year expanding across all fresh departments. And when I look kind of three to five years out, I really think we can get to a level of kind of food waste deterrence that is really on the order of 50%. So I think. Retailers working with us can reduce their food waste by 50%. I think that's, to me, a a really great North Star for us. And what I think is really cool about that is that the net margins in the grocery industry are so slim that if we can build a technology that reduces food waste by 50%, it will become uneconomic for grocers to not either use our technology or a similar technology that produces that much in cost savings. And so what I think we can do is drive a real movement. And I'm not saying it'll be us, but I'm saying we'll force the hand of the industry to be able to really reduce the food waste by about 50% across across the supply chain. And when we back that out, that equates to tens of billions of pounds of food waste each year and just a dramatic impact on climate change more broadly. So I think, I think we really have the opportunity to kind of, kind of lead the market and force the hand of the market towards this far more efficient future end state that's really better for end consumers and better for the planet.
0: This has been great. Nathan, your team at Afresh is doing some really interesting work for fresh food and sustainability. I expect that the insights you've shared will be valuable to other AI companies. Where can people find out more about you online?
1: I guess probably start with our website, afresh.com. And then I think we have a bunch of resources on Afresh. A lot of our blog posts where our machine learning engineers go into way more detail and speak way more accurately and eloquently about what we do. And then I'm sure, I don't think we have much of a social presence. We have some on LinkedIn. But yeah, I would start at afresh.com and highly recommend our engineering blog. The folks on our team do really cool stuff.
0: Perfect. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks, Heather. This is super fun.
0: All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Heather Couture, and I hope you join me again next time for Impact AI. Thank you for listening to Impact AI. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with a friend. And if you'd like to learn more about computer vision applications for people and planetary health, you can sign up for my newsletter at pixelscientia.com slash newsletter.